And we're talking about uh, God's gifts and God's calling on people's lives. You know, uh, I'm sure there's many of you out there tonight that be watching this, or maybe you'll even be watching this later on the archive, uh, that you know you have a call on your life, but you're just not walking in it. And so, you know, tonight I just want to uh, just kind of talk talk to you a little bit about the fact that uh, even though you, you've received a call in your life and maybe you're not even walking in it, it's not too late for you to respond to God and to respond to that call. You know, in my life, uh, I realized that for several years, I really didn't even know uh, what God had for my life. I just knew that I wanted to serve Him. And uh, it just takes a little time in prayer. It takes a little time walking and fellowshipping with God. But, you know, I really want to talk to some of you out there that uh, you've, you've, you've not even been serving God lately. You've walked off from God. Maybe you live in a party life. Uh, but inside, you just know that there's something that you need to do for God. And you've kind of tried to ignore it or shut it off. And maybe you feel like uh, maybe that'll just all go away. Well, let's, let's look at some things tonight. You know, this is straight talk, and we're just going to talk about what God's Word has to stay, you know, straight and real, giving some biblical examples of people with a call on their life, and just seeing how God handles people and what He does with them. You know, first of all, I want to say to you that if you know that um, you have a call, you're not walking in it, God's not mad at you. God's not ticked off at you. God is not just waiting for you to come back so he can just, you know, slam you uh, for not obeying him. God wants to do great things through your life. And most of the time, people, uh, they walk off from serving God. They, they, they quit. You know, they go back out into their old lifestyle. And it's just because of a lack of knowledge of, of who God really is. And they, they really haven't been tasting and experiencing the goodness of God. So I just want to read, uh, you know, just a couple of things here tonight, a few scriptures and some examples, and just show you some things, and maybe this will help you see that really the truth is you've been missing out on one of the most exciting adventures of your entire life. Uh, The Bible says this, you know, in Romans chapter 11 verse 29 i'm going to read from the living bible translation it says for god's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn he will never go back on his promises now you know that's one of the greatest things about god he's not one to make a promise to you or give you something and then later on change his mind and just take it back i know i thought that when I, when I got, gave my life to the Lord, um, sometime later I had fallen away. I wasn't walking with God, uh, just running with a bunch of people. I don't know if they even knew God. None of them ever mentioned Him. I wasn't talking about Him. And then, you know, the Scripture talks about receiving the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues. And the Bible talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, I had experienced that, but I remember when I came back to God, I just thought, that's all gone. I kept having this urge that God just wanted me to pray in that heavenly language, and I just thought, there's no way. I've been partying, drinking, cussing, lying, (laughs) living a life that was totally away from Him, and I thought, that is impossible, that's not going to happen. 
And even though I felt like God himself was urging me to just step out, just go ahead, just endeavor to, to pray, I found myself trying to tell him, there's no way that's going to happen. You know, I'm telling him what he did, even though <laughs> I had no proof of it, but I just thought I really knew. But the Bible says this, here's the, here's the uh, amplified translation of the same Romans chapter 11 verse 29 it says for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable he never withdraws them when once they are given he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call basically you know what that's saying is is once God has done something he doesn't change the only thing that changes is you and I. God never changes. In fact, in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, he said, I'm the Lord God and I don't change. And uh, that's, just, that's just how it is. Now, people change. Uh, history changes. Times change. Our world is ever changing around us. God is the one constant thing that never changes. God just does not change. And sometimes I think in our human reasoning, that's just hard to wrap your mind around. God doesn't change. We know people change. Some people, uh, you know, say one thing one day and then they've changed, you know, an hour later. You've probably met people like that. They're, they're, they, they stay with something about as long as the wind passing by. You know, it's just a constant turnover of decision but God is not that way Jesus you know is is interested in you and what he can do through you what he can do in you and he wants you to discover his call on your life he wants you to enjoy and experience the awesome things that you could be doing in God but because for whatever reason you're not walking with him or you step back or you've pulled back, maybe uh, you've been offended, maybe somebody did something wrong in, a, in a, some Christian or some setting or some bad thing happened in life and you don't know why it happened, all you know is life stinks and so you've just, you've walked away from all of it. Well listen, you know, Jesus is the restorer. There's an interesting story here, and uh, you know I'm sure there's those of you that you've you've made mistakes, you've sinned, you know you have, you've done some rotten stuff. Maybe you've done some things toward God that you think He would never want me back. Well, I want to read something to you, uh, just in case you think that maybe your situation is absolutely the most worst case scenario that there could ever be. Listen to this story in the Bible. Maybe you've read this, maybe you haven't, maybe you've heard parts of it and you never caught this truth. Listen to this. I'm going to read to you from John's Gospel, the 21st chapter, uh, verse 14 and 15. Now, what's going on here is Jesus and the disciples, you know, they had just previously come uh, from the Garden of Gethsemane. The disciples of Jesus were praying. That was the place where the scripture says that Jesus went, you know, a little ways distance from the disciples. And, and he was over there praying, talking to God the Father. And he knew he was going to the cross. And the scripture said he sweat great drops, as it were, like blood coming from his face, from his brow. And he came back and the disciples were asleep. 
And, uh, you know, he said, hey, couldn't you guys just pray with me one hour? And so, you know, they kind of rouse themselves. They get back up. He goes back to praying. He comes back the second time. He's, he's finished praying. And these guys are asleep. And he, and he tells them, you know, my hour is at hand. And just in moments, they can see in the distance this band of people coming. And they got torches and they got swords. They got soldiers there. They got religious people there. And they're coming up. And what they're going to do is arrest Jesus. Now, you know, Peter, he was, a, he was evidently, you know, he was a fisherman. He's a pretty strong guy. You know, that's, that's a physical labor job. And uh, he's a pretty tough character. In fact, um, you know, Peter and John, Jesus called them the sons of thunder because uh, evidently they had a short fuse and a hot temper every once in a while that he had to deal with them about. And Peter, when they come and they, and they and, you know, they're coming to arrest him and that's where, that's where Judas comes up and he says, hey, you guys, the one I kiss on the cheek, that's him. That's the one you want to grab. So, Jesus, you know, uh, Judas comes up, he kisses Jesus on, on the cheek, you know, and he steps back and, and they're coming to take him. And Jesus says, uh, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And the scripture says, you know, he said, I am he. And they all fell back and then they came to get him and Peter drew out his sword and he cut one of the, one of the guards ear off his head. You know, no doubt he was swinging to take his head right off. But he, he swung wildly, I guess somewhat, missed, and just took the guy's ear right off his head. Jesus heals that, grabs that ear and sticks it back up on his head, heals the guy instantly and says to them, you know, here I am, you know, take me, basically let these other guys go. Jesus goes to the judgment hall. Now, there was a time just prior to this event where Jesus said, all you guys are going to be scattered like sheep running from wolves. And Peter pipes up. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never, I'll never do that. And Jesus turned. He looked at him. He said, Peter, before, you know, the cock crows three times. Or cock crows twi- before the, the, the rooster, you know, he crows twice. You're going to deny me three times. Now Peter's just going, not me, not me. But that night, when he went to the judgment hall, they're out there. People got a fire going. It's cold. Jesus has been punched in the face. They've pulled on his beard. They've slapped a, a crown of thorns on his head. And in the judgment hall, you know, he's going through all that. And so people are standing around the fire, and they say, Hey, aren't you, aren't you one of those guys hanging with Jesus? And he goes, No, I never knew him. They go, Yeah, yeah, I think you are. I think you are, because your voice kind of gives you away. And then he said he started cursing. And he said, no, I don't know him. And then the third time. And then the cock crows. The rooster crows. And Peter goes off sorrowful. So here in John's Gospel, the 21st chapter, Jesus has gone to the cross. He's risen from the dead. And he starts appearing to different people. Some of the disciples, different groups of people are seeing him. And Jesus shows up and they all begin to have a meal together with the risen Christ. And it says this. Now this was the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. 
So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. Then Jesus asked him, he asked him this question three times, Peter, do you love me? And each time Peter said, Yes, I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. You know, Peter denied Jesus three times, and three times Jesus said, do you love me? And on the final time, he says to him, feed my lambs. Now here's a guy, no doubt, he has denied the Son of the living God. He walked with him for three and a half years. He saw all the miracles of people's blind eyes being opened, lame walking, deaf hearing. Uh, He saw... 5,000 people fed with just two fish and a few loaves of bread. He saw this on several occasions. Peter saw the power of God. Peter was in the boat uh, with Jesus asleep when they said, Hey, Master, don't you care that we're going to die? And he stands up and rebukes the wind and the waves and everything's calm. And the disciples are going, What kind of guy is this that even the wind and the waves will obey him? Peter was there when they were told to go to the other side of the lake and a huge storm blew up and they see someone cross on the water and they all think it's a ghost and they're just flipping out and they cried out for fear this the scripture says and jesus called out and he said don't be afraid it's me and peter says if that's you you tell me to come on the water peter believed if that was jesus he would be able to walk on the water and if it was anything but jesus it would not happen Well, it was the Lord, and he answered, and he said, Come. And Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on the water. Now, you know, all that stuff had to just been just going through his mind. All the things that Jesus had done, all the the teaching he had heard, all the miracles he had seen, and how he boasted strong and loud, I will never deny you. But when he thought he was going to die and be taken just like Jesus was taken... He said, I don't know the guy. Jesus here completely restored him. He not only let him know, you know, that that he wasn't done with him, but he confirmed to him the call of God that was on his life. You know, that I don't think there's anything that anyone could imagine they could do worse than denying Jesus Christ, after walking with him in the flesh, seeing his face, you know, being with him, talking with him, being in that inner circle, those 12 men, and then denying him after he knew he said he would not. That must have been the most powerful restoration I think a human being could have ever experienced when Jesus just came to him and said, Hey, do you love me? He didn't rebuke him for what he said. He didn't call up and say, You know what, Peter? You said this. What the heck happened back there at the judgment hall? He never brought it up. So if you're sitting there listening to this and you're thinking, Man, I never thought about that. Well, listen, there's nothing you've done. There's nothing you said. There's no distance that you've gone from God where Jesus is just going, I'm done with him. I'm done with her. That's a lie of Satan. That's nothing but a lie. What he did for Peter, he will do for you. 
Scripture says that God, he said himself, that he's no respecter of persons. Now, you know, uh, there's just, you, you got to know this. No man decides what God is going to do through you. That's what Jesus Christ himself decides. It's his decision. And just like he called Peter, even though Peter himself failed, God did not revoke, he didn't take back the call that was on Peter's life. True to the word, true to his own word, God will not take back the call that's on your life. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Uh, it's just as quick as coming back to him and saying, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to do this. I need to do this. That was the story of my life. When I came back to God in 1982 after living away from him, I just said, God, you know what? I've just been a slap in your face. I just I just believe in being honest to God. You know, we don't need to play any games or hide anything or hope he doesn't know. He knows. <laughs> he knows everything. I just said, I've been a slap in your face. And his response to me was just forget it. I have a new life for you. And so since that time... I've been serving him. I'm a minister today. I've been preaching the gospel for over 30 years. And I can tell you, God is good. God loves you. God wants you. God's not mad at you. God is reaching his hand out to you through this broadcast. And he's trying to get you to just stop beating yourself over the head. Stop knocking yourself down. Stop making up excuses and buying into them of why you can't turn back to him. Just stop that stuff. It's not God. It's not right. It's not true. It doesn't hold water. God wanted you back from the moment you turned. God wants you right here. He wants you tonight. You need to call out to Him right now. You just need to call out to Him and say, God, forgive me. I, I want you to just receive me me back. You know, and he, he's, he's got open arms. That's why Jesus you know, gave the parable about the father and the prodigal son who who went to his father and he asked him for you know his share of the inheritance and he got it all and he ran off into another country and blew it and riotous living and then he came back so stinking poor he couldn't even afford a meal he was eating pig slop he asked a pig farmer if he could work for him just to get something to eat and and the guy said sure but you work first and the guy was so hungry that while the pigs were eating, he looked over at that pig slop and he thought, I would really like to even have some of that. That's hungry. <laughs> That's down. That is down. You know, God doesn't want you living, looking at yourself as some despised, worthless piece of trash human being who has made too many mistakes, too dumb, too long. God's not interested in where you've been. What he's interested in is receiving you and taking you where he's going. He wants to take you into a new life. Now listen to this. You know, uh, <laughs> some people think that if they've just been running from the call of God on their life for long enough, maybe God just forgot all this. Maybe this is all just done and gone and after all, i got all new friends, and I'm just doing this, and I'm doing that, and I'm not hanging out with the church people no more, I'm not hanging out with the Christians no more, and, you know, I'm just 
living party life, whatever kind of life you're living. Listen, there was a guy just like that in the Bible. Uh, he thought that maybe you could just run from the call of God and just be done. That'd just fix it. His name was Jonah. And uh, it's interesting to me that this guy, <laughs> God spoke to him. He heard from God. He knew God had a, had a plan and had a purpose. He had, a, had an assignment from God. And God said, all he said to him was, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach to them all the words that I'll speak to you. And uh, so he, he just decided that, you know, I don't think I'm going to do this. And we find this story, it's in the first chapter of Jonah, verse 2, he says, Go to this great city of Nineveh and give them this announcement from the Lord. I'm going to destroy you, for your wickedness rises before me and it smells to the highest heaven. But Jonah was afraid to go and ran away from the Lord, and he went down to the sea coast to a port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. And he bought a ticket, went aboard, and climbed down into the hold of the ship. And it says that he went there to hide from the Lord. Now, when he did that, the ship, you know, they take off from the port, and they get out into the ocean, and they're not out there uh, real long until this storm rises up. And then the clouds are coming in, it's dark, it's black, and it got so raging and so strong that the seamen thought, we're all going to die. But those guys, you know, they it's kind of like they had maybe some, I don't know if you'd say superstitions or what they were, but they just said, this has to be happening for some reason, and somebody on this ship is to blame. And so they decided they'd draw straws, <laughs> and they're holding them out for everybody to draw straws. And the losing straw fell on Jonah. And they all looking at him and they said, Who are you and what have you done? So then he fesses up to him and he says, Well, I'm a Hebrew and I serve the Lord God Almighty and I'm running from the presence of the Lord. <laughs> and they're all thinking, What are you doing on our ship bringing all this hardship on us? So they said to him, Well, what do we got to do to stop this storm? I mean, they don't want to die because of him. He said, You'll have to throw me overboard out of the ship well you know they would have thrown some tackling out of the ship and some of the extra weight so the ship wouldn't sink but Jonah said you're going to have to throw me overboard and so they got him up and they threw the guy over the side into the ocean and when he hit the ocean God had prepared a whale to swallow him up not to kill him but just to just to get, get a hold of him and so the whale swallows Jonah. The wind and the waves stop just like that. And all the men, it said, they feared. And they began to worship God Almighty and said, He is God. Well, while Jonah's in the belly of the whale, I don't know how all that works. I don't know how he survived down in the belly of the whale. But the scripture says in, uh, verse, in chapter 2 and verse 7, I'm just reading from the Living Bible, Jonah prayed from the belly of the whale, and this is what he said. When I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. Maybe you're like that tonight. Maybe, you're, maybe life, you just feel like 
It's just going absolutely nowhere. You got no hope. Well, Jonah turned his thoughts to God. And it says, He turned his thoughts once more to the Lord, and my earnest prayer went to you into your holy temple. God heard Jonah's prayer. He heard him cry out to him. And in the scripture says that the he caused that God caused that whale to spit Jonah up out onto the beach. <laughs> and when he got there, you know, I'm sure he just kind of probably pulling seaweed off ahead. I bet he was a sight, man. You know, just think, you know, if he was down there and there's stomach acid down in that fish, there's no telling what his hair could have been bleach white and green seaweed all over his head. He's walking up on the beach, and God speaks to him again. And he says this to him, chapter 3, verse 2, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. (laughs) God never changed. The thing he told him the first time to do, he's telling him again. Now here you got a guy that's run from God. He thinks maybe that's going to fix it, but... When, when life goes sour and he ends up calling back out on God, God still has the same, same request, same assignment. And the funny thing about it, you know, is that Jonah, he went, and, he went and preached to him. And these people repented from the king right down to the lowest person in the, in the whole uh, place of the city of Nineveh. They all repented and they all got their lives right before God. And Jonah got kind of ticked. And he just said, I knew you were going to do that. I knew you'd be good. You know, I just, that's why I didn't even want to, want to go tell him in the first place. That's why I just took off. He said, I knew you were merciful. And I knew you'd be that way. And God said, how could I de- destroy the city when these men didn't know enough? You know, I'm just paraphrasing. He said, they weren't smart enough to know there's from their right hand to their left. That's what he told Jonah. So God's a merciful God. He sent him down there and said, Go tell these people. Turn, repent, change your ways, or this whole place is going to be destroyed. You know, it doesn't matter if you've run from God. God still has his call on your life. He still has an assignment for your life. He still has something that he wants to do in you and through you, and he wants to touch other people's lives. And, you know, no matter what you've been thinking or what's going on, listen... Uh, God can restore your life. Here's another preacher, the Apostle Paul. He was used to write, uh, scholars say it's about two-thirds of the New Testament. This was a guy who was a Pharisee, he was a religious leader, and when the Christians were first, you know, on the face of the earth, this guy thought that these people were all whacked in the head, and they were talking about a risen Christ, and they were going, this is just a bunch of junk, it's wrong, it's blasphemy, and then he was, he got letters and authority to go grab any and every Christian he could find and put him in jail, and he was grabbing moms and dads and kids and, you know, going into communities, and he was on a war path. And God stopped him. Bright light shone down. He said it was brighter than the noonday sun. Power of God hit him and all the men that were with him, traveling with him. They all fell to the ground. They heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And the men with him, they heard the voice, but they didn't see anybody. However, according to the scriptures, Paul did. And Paul answered him and and uh, he went into a into town, and he was blind for 
three or four days. I don't remember how long uh, the scripture says how long that was, but God sent someone in to lay their hands on him and remove the the blinders from his eyes. It wasn't a physical blindness. He said it was something like scales dropped from his eyes. But this same Paul, as radical as he was for putting people in jail, now this guy was radical for Christ. He was going places, and everywhere he went, a riot would break out. And people wanted to kill him. The Pharisees that once knew him decided this guy needs to die. I mean, he's got his own countrymen after him. He's stirring up trouble everywhere he goes. The devils are stirred up. He goes into Ephesus one time, and there's men there that are making little wooden gods and clay gods and stuff like that. And he pulls all the businessmen together. His name is Demas, and he says, you know what, this guy Paul over here, he's saying there aren't any other gods. There's only one God, and we're about to lose all our business and all of our income. And they got ticked. And they stirred up this huge crowd of people. And next thing you know, they're about to pull this guy, Paul, apart. And they had to rush in with a, with a Roman guard and come in and deliver him out of their hands. And... This guy is so radical. Paul is so radical that he's up on this step somewhere. He's got soldiers around him, other soldiers holding the people off. And he says to the guy with him, he says, hey, uh, could I say something? So the guy goes, go ahead. And Paul starts speaking to him in the Hebrew language, their own tongue. And he starts talking to them about Jesus Christ. Talk about a bold individual. This guy was shipwrecked. He was in the deep, in the ocean, the scripture says. He said of his own testimony, uh, several days and nights, you know, everybody thought they were going to die and they made it to shore. Paul was whipped uh, three times. He was beaten with rods three times. You know, he received 40 stripes. He's, the scripture says, except one, 39 times he was taking 39 whippings on his back and he went through that several times. That guy would not shut up about Jesus Christ. One night, there's a mob out. There's people. There's 40 men. They said, we're not going to eat and we're not going to drink anything until Paul is dead. And Jesus appeared to him and he said, Paul, be of good cheer. This is Acts chapter 23 and verse 11. He says to him, be of good cheer. For as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness of me at Rome. He's telling him, Paul. You ain't going to die. You're going to Rome, and you're going to continue to tell people about me. Paul needed the encouragement. He probably thought life might have been over for him. And Jesus came to him to strengthen him and assure him, life's not over, you have a call, and I have an assignment for you, and you're going to fulfill it. And I won't get into all what happened there. But he wasn't killed. He was able to go to Rome with a, uh, a Roman escort of 270 men, horsemen and such, soldiers. You know, God's an amazing God. And, and people have served God and people have walked with God. There's just so many different things that happen in life. That, that want to bring you to a place of just disappointment, discouragement. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how I could ever go forward. But God has a way for you to go forward in life. Just like he did with Peter. He restored him. Jonah. 
You know, he didn't he didn't uh, remove his life because he ran from him. God's not out to get you. God's not out to hurt you. God is out to do great things through your life. And here the Apostle Paul, when he thinks he's met his final hour, God comes to him and he brings deliverance for him over and over and over. You know, uh, if we're going to successfully fulfill the call of God in our life, if you're going to answer the call, there's things that all of us have to do. And one of those things is you have to understand that this walk with God is a walk of faith. This is not just a walk in the park. This is a walk of faith. You know, Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse uh, 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we have to come to God. God demands that we walk in faith, or another word is trust, that we trust him. Whatever he's telling us to do, we've got to trust that there is the power and the grace of God available for us to do it. We've got to believe that. And that's what he expects. Because God is not sending you out in your power. God's not sending you out on your own. God's not asking you to do anything for him in your own strength. Hebrews, the 11th chapter Listen to what happened to some people. This is just real life people. Because, you know, a lot of times in this world today, a lot of people think that, you know, well, this Christian thing, this should just be easy. Oh, come on, give me a break. Listen to this. Listen to what some other people did. And this was even old covenant people. They didn't even have the Spirit of God on the inside. They weren't born again. They just knew about Jehovah God. But listen to how they walked. Here's someone uh, that you'll know. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, By faith Noah, when he was warned about things not yet seen, about that flood that was coming, with reverent regard he constructed an ark for the deliverance of his family. And through faith he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Then in verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he would later receive as an inheritance, and he went out without understanding where he was going. Abraham walked out, and he didn't even know where he was headed. God just said, go out, and I will show you the place. That's, that's pretty tough. Then we see here, verse 24. I want to read something about some others. He said, by faith... When he grew up, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had found out who he really was. He was was a, a Jewish boy. And at the time, Pharaoh had said, I want all the firstborn of all the Jews killed. And his mother put him in a basket that was had some kind of tarish pitch in the basket so it wouldn't leak water, put that baby in it, and sent it down the river trusting God that the baby would live now that is faith I can't even yet imagine sticking one of my baby kids in a basket and sending it down the river but that's what they did ended up at Pharaoh's palace and his own daughter found the basket and decided opened it up saw the baby and decided I'll take this baby for me and raised him up but when he got old enough and he one day found out who he really was. Scripture says, By faith uh, he grew up, 
He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be ill-treated with the people of God than to enjoy sin's fleeting pleasure. He regarded abuse suffered for Christ to be the greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for his eyes were fixed on the reward. By faith he left Egypt without fearing the king's anger, for he, was per- he persevered as though he could see the one who is invisible, like he could see God. <laughs> Imagine that. He could have lived in the lap of luxury just by going, well, I haven't lived with my own people for 20 years anyway, and I was a baby anyhow, and he could have just come up with every excuse under the sun. But he didn't. He chose to walk with God. And then when you get to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, it makes this comment. This is really a powerful comment. It says, Since therefore we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, it's talking about these people that live this way, and there's a lot of other things I didn't read in there. He said, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. You see, you know, there's some things that you're just going to need to to do in life, things that you're going to need to trust God with to to get yourself free from some of the sin lifestyle you've been living in, Some some of the things that you've enjoyed doing that wasn't even right. Listen, be honest. Uh, The Bible itself says that sin is pleasurable for a season, so... You know, don't say, well, I wasn't really enjoying it. Oh, give me a break. Yes, you were. I was. (laughs) We were enjoying that. But it it was wrong living. It wasn't right living. It wasn't God's kind of living. It wasn't God's kind of life. But he said, you know, the wages of sin is death. I mean, there's a payday that comes. There's a payday that comes. And I'll tell you something. uh, I'm not really quoting this out of Scripture or anything. But to me, when a Christian who's known God and walked with God and, and been, you know, a problem to the kingdom of darkness, been winning people to Christ or telling people about the goodness of God and people's lives are being changed and set free, for a person like that to turn away from God and just go do what we call backslide, go back into the world and you're stomping on the enemy's turf now and trying to live like one of the world, that's one of the most dangerous, crazy things a Christian can ever do because you were once a problem for the devil now you're going to go back and act like the world and the rest of his group listen he's going to want to knock your teeth out on every corner he's going to want to drag you into the deepest hole he can get you in and maybe you're listening to me tonight and you're going I'm in that hole well you don't have to stay there Jesus will deliver you out of that hole as quick as you will turn to him he'll get you out and he'll take you into new life. But you're going to have to turn your back on the sin. You're going to have to turn your back on the lifestyle. You're going to have to say no to it and yes to God. And if you're willing to do that, he will help you right through this. He'll get you out of where you are. And he'll get you to where you need to be. But he requires your involvement. 
You will have to be involved. Don't suppose that he's just going to drop a big miracle something on top of your head and boom, you're just going to wake up in a new land, you know, like some fairy tale. It's not going to be like that. But if you will give your heart back to him and walk with him, he will walk you right out of that stuff. I'll tell you what, God will turn things in your favor that you thought you were going down for the count with. God will do it. God's a good God. God's a merciful God. Just remember Peter. Here's the guy that walked with the master and everybody saw him with him and he was boasting and strong and he, I mean, he was just like, I'll never leave you. And then he did it. And I'm not putting Peter down. I'm just saying, look at the mercy and the love of God. Jesus never even brought it up. All he said was, do you love me, Peter? And Peter said, yes. He said, go feed my sheep. Gave him an assignment. Gave, listen, when Jesus calls you, that's what your qualification to do it. If you think you're not qualified, if you think you disqualified yourself, you need to just get a hold of the truth of God's word. Now, there may be some things where you need to just kind of get your head straightened out in God's word and get your heart straightened out in God's word and get your focus back where it belongs and begin to walk with God but God's going to start using you if you'll turn yourself around and what he's going to do is turn you and get you right back on the track that's going to lead you to that place where you were before you walked off and he's going to continue you on as you follow him and walk with him to fulfill the call on your life you know the scripture says this and I think it would be uh, a, a dangerous thing if I was to end this broadcast right now and stop right here. You need to be aware that you have an enemy. You know, Satan is not this dude in a red suit with a pointed tail and a pitchfork. He's a fallen demon spirit. He is, he's a fallen angel. He's, the Bible calls them demons. There's demon spirits, fallen angels. These entities, these spirits, they are against everything that's God. And they're against you. And you need to know that there's going to be things that are going to try to hinder you, distract you, sidetrack you, and turn you away. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if you've had thoughts while you're listening to me going, oh, I wouldn't listen to that guy, just turn that off. You just keep listening here. Keep listening to what I'm saying. God has a purpose and a plan for your life that outshines anything you've ever been in outside of his life. It so far outshines it not to be compared. The greatest satisfaction that you will ever have in your entire life is when you're walking with God and you know it. When you're doing things that you believe He's spoken to you to do and you're doing it. That will be the most awesome satisfaction you'll ever taste. Paul said this. Well, Peter, I want to read something from Peter. This is a New English translation. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, he said, Be sober and be alert. He said, Your enemy, the devil, like a roaring lion, is on the prowl looking for someone to devour. Resist him strong in your faith, because you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are enduring the same kind of suffering. You're not alone. There's, you're not the only person that's dealt with anything. You're not the only person that's dealt with hardship tough situations listen the scripture says your brothers and your sisters fellow christians they're dealing with stuff just like you put your faith in god put your trust in god begin to have a walk with god that means you talk to him you read your bible you grow with him and you need to get in a church where it's teaching the word of god and the power of god and and it's going to strengthen you you can't just go on your own 
The Bible says that God gave first, you know, prophets, apostles, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and come to a mature man in Christ. That's what we're here for. We're here to strengthen other believers in God's Word and in the walk of God, in their Christian walk. And that's what God wants to do through your life. But I'll tell you what, some of the most exciting things you'll ever see is when you're following God, when you're stepping out like Peter, stepping out of the boat onto the waters of faith, and you're trusting God, and God's saying, go do this. I know God started dealing with me to pray for the sick, and I started praying for people, and I've, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of miracles of healing over the years powerful things and i'll tell you when you see the the tears in people's eye or the joy on their face sometimes the shock when they realize that all the pain that they came up there that was horrible pain is gone in an instant i'll tell you what that's exciting to see because you know you didn't do it you knew god did it but you knew that he told you to go lay your hands on them according to mark 16 and uh, you'll watch the power of god in operation listen Paul, the Apostle Paul, the one that, that Jesus appeared to and encouraged that time where he thought he was going out, he said to some young ministers, maybe you're young and you think, ah, I don't know, I don't know about this, I don't know if I can do this. Listen, you can do this. You know you got a call in your life. Paul said, be watchful, be on the alert in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Paul was saying... Fulfill the call in your life. There was a another guy, uh, Archippus, and and Paul spoke to him in a letter and said, "Do the work which the Lord has given you to do." You know, sometimes our our own laziness is the weight, and sometimes the sin that that hinders us. One translation says that it so tightly wraps itself around our feet and trips us up. Sometimes it's our own laziness that will cause us not to grow in God and not to get to that place where we're just communing with God. We know He's speaking to our hearts and we're working with Him. We're walking with Him. But that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants you to grow. You know, um, just kind of want to leave you with this. You're going to have to, whatever God's called you to do, you're going to have to determine that. You know, maybe you're sitting there and you're going, I don't, e- I don't even know what God's called me to do. I, I believe I have a call in my life, but I just don't know what it is. Well, listen, you're going to have to determine what that call is in your own heart through time of prayer with God. You're going to have to determine what that is between you and God. Because if any man tells you, this is what you're called to do, and you, once you hit the hard places, once the enemy throws up roadblocks and obstacles and ridicule and persecution and things are getting tough and you're having to trust God, you'll begin to question whether you're even supposed to do it or not. But when you know in your own heart that God's called you, when you know in your own heart that He's spoken to you and He said, this is what I have for you, like the Apostle Paul, you'll be radical. You'll be unstoppable. You won't quit. It don't matter how tough it gets or how hard it gets, you will not let go of that call. And no one can get it out of you. Once you've got it and you own it, it's yours. So I want to pray for you right now before we close this broadcast. If you've been away from God, 
I want you to say, Jesus, I, I come back to you right now. I come to you right now. I want to live for you, and I want to fulfill your calling on my life. You're out there, and you've been away from God, and you know you're called. You're not doing anything with it. Listen, now it's time to rededicate. I'm going to pray. You make this yours. God, in Jesus' name, I just ask you to help me to walk in the light of your call. Stir up in my heart the things that you originally put there and help me to see how that I can walk with you the next, very next step from right where I am to walk on forward in the purpose and in the plan of God for my life. God, just establish my feet and plant my feet on the path of your purpose for my life. Open the eyes of my understanding, according to Ephesians 1.17, enlighten them and cause me to see what's the hope of your calling on my life. And help me by the grace of God to fulfill it, to walk it out in the way that you would have me walk it. I give my heart afresh to you. I purpose in my heart to serve you and to fulfill the call on my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, the next thing you need to do, you know, you need to get your Bible back out. If you don't have one, you need to get one. Uh, If you dedicated your life to the Lord tonight or if you watching this, you know, maybe you watch this on YouTube. If you go to GF mi.us there's a contact us page there's a prayer page Uh, you can let me know what's going on i'd like to pray for you continue to pray for you especially that you've got a call on your life and that you'll walk that thing out i'm telling you the greatest satisfaction you'll ever taste in life will be as you walk out god's plan and god's purpose for your life